It's radio theater for your soul. It's radio theater for your soul. With storytellers gather around the mic. Come on, let's go. Live readings, traditional, contemporary, original, scripted plays, film, and poetry. With storytellers gather around the mic to be with your host, Miss Shanice C.L. Coleman, a.k.a. Courageous Love, always just a cut above. Your soul audience, thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to my season eight, the summer series of my radio show. It's 2022. My name is Shawnee C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love, and I am your host who will be gathering with the storytellers around the mic weekly. Storytelling is a gift. It is meant to be shared. And our mission is to continue to provide a global stage for storytellers of all genres of storytelling. Even from the subways of New York City, you're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul. So, does anyone want to know what Radio Theater for Your Soul is really all about? Yeah! Yeah. Tell me about it. Break it down. Well, I'll tell you, in a nutshell, it is all about storytelling and storytellers featuring unique voices, the written and or unwritten words during this broadcast, podcast, episode, show, whatever you prefer to call it. I call it Internet Radio, our global stage, our gathering place around the mic that virtually replaces the baobab tree where all kinds of stories continue to be shared. So please stay tuned. You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul, where storytellers gather around the mic. Gathering around the mic to share their voice, to share another great story, is our featured storyteller. Enjoy. Tragedy to Purpose, Finding My Voice. Hi, everybody. My name is Deanne Lane Crosby, and I am an American Sign Language influencer, educator, interpreter, executive producer, talent, and author. I am also the founder and CEO of Sign With Me Incorporated. The most popular question I'm asked 
as a hearing person who has assimilated into the deaf community is, how did you become interested in sign language? What's really behind that question is whether the motivation for my interest in the deaf community is in any way connected and inspired by someone in my family or any relationship with a deaf person. My answer to this all-important question is generally, it was God-inspired. The fact is, I have no family members who are deaf. And at the time of my introduction to ASL, I had had no previous encounters with a deaf person at all. I was drawn to American Sign Language by the spirit of a universal language. That universal language being music. I thought that by combining music with dance and sign language would be a beautiful expression of art to convey meaning and inspire others to worship. It was the spirit of music that lured me to the rhythm of the language and expression, which later exposed me to the users of the language then would inspire me to immerse myself fully in learning the language and acquiring the knowledge of it and understanding and appreciating the richness of the deaf community. This was, my goodness, back in 1996, over 26 years ago. Now, understand at the time, I didn't make the connection that there was a deeper reason for my motivation, a deeper reason that goes beneath the surface of what I thought to be my own choice, only to learn it was destiny calling me to purpose. That it was purpose birth out of trauma that actually revealed to me my why. I wanna share with you my story, the story of a hearing girl who lost her voice only to regain it in a world without sound. Hear my story. I was born in the late 60s and raised in Jordan Downs, Watts, called PJ's Projects. My birth father was a community advocate and leader of the Sons of Watts. He also was one of the founding members of the Watts Health Foundation located on 103rd in Wilmington. He was also a drug dealer. My birth mom was a dancer in a local nightclub where she and my father met, married, and soon gave birth to my older brother and me. My mom was 19 and my dad was only 18 years old when they married. Around the age of two years old, my dad became frustrated with the neglect he saw my mom showed us and took me and my brother, who was four years old at the time, to be raised by his mother in Watts. I remember the address to this day, 2141 East 101st Street, off 101st and Great. My grandmother was also a community advocate and leader of the mother of Watts. 
She even campaigned for Maxine Waters' election to her first seat on city council. My brother and I live with my grandmother who we affectionately call Mama. Her husband, Jesse, who we called Papa, my dad and his four younger siblings. My dad was the eldest of Mama's kids. My dad and the second born, my aunt, shared the same father, while the third born uncle and the youngest aunt had different dads. The youngest child being the only child of my papa and mama, she was closest to my age. And so we had about eight years apart. She's eight years older than I. By the time I was four years old, my dad was murdered. Mm -hmm. The account I heard from my uncle was that my dad had thrown a birthday celebration on the day after his birthday at his apartment. The next day, he was found unresponsive on the floor and my uncle and his friend found my dad. My dad had been slipped a Mickey, mm -hmm, a fatal dose that killed him. My most fondest memory I cherish of my dad is how he would pick me up and spin me around, kiss my cheeks, smashing his puckered lips into my jaw, shaking his head from side to side and proclaiming, this is my baby girl. After my dad's death, I recall my mom coming to visit and my brother from time, from, from time to time. She would always be laced, looking glamorous and was so pretty in her fur coats, fur hats, wigs, tight dresses, high heel shoes, long painted nails, eyelashes, and smoking Tarantin cigarettes. Sometimes she would stay with us for a few weeks and then back to her life. Shortly after my dad was killed, in the same year, I was a victim in a very serious car accident that nearly cost my life. I remember playing in the front yard on a sunny day and like clockwork, the ice cream truck came slowly down our street. While outside playing, a block away, I could hear the playful sounds of music chiming from the truck speakers into the air as it slowly neared our complex. Echoes of, the ice cream truck is here, resounded and kids screamed and teens and adults gathered from all directions to the side of the ice cream truck to buy their favorite ice cream. I dropped what I was doing with excitement and anticipation and ran to the street curb. I stopped, looked to the right, where I saw a shiny lime green painted long car parked in the middle of the street, halfway down the block with a person leaning on the driver's side window talking to the driver. I looked to the left, nothing. I safely trotted across the street to join the crowd of people standing alongside the ice cream truck. 
I looked up at the colorful menu selections, wishing I had money to buy something. Within seconds of that thought, I heard my brother's voice yelling from across the street from the direction of our house. He ran towards the curb yelling, Dee Dee, I got your money for ice cream. I got your money for ice cream. Hearing that was music to my ears. I was so excited. I darted from the edge of the crowd with focused intention on getting that dime and getting back to the line for my ice cream. But this time, I did not move with the same caution as I had before. And bam! That shiny lime green long car had apparently moved, picked up speed, and intersected at the point of hitting me. I was catapulted in the air and landed across the street under a parked car. Under the undercarriage of that parked car, on the warm street cement, I lay in the dark, peering out to the light, conscious but unable to move. I could hear chatter and negotiation about how they were going to try to get me from under the car and someone saying, 911 is on the way. Ambulance and EMTs arrived at the scene, carefully extracted me from under the car and on the gurney rushed me away to the nearest hospital. I remember being pushed through ER doors like patients on Grey's Anatomy while all this dialogue above my head, IV in my arm, and my older aunt, whose voice I was able to distinguish from all the chatter, praying for me while running alongside of the gurney, leaning nearest my head. The last words I remember her saying was big girls don't cry. Later, I learned I had suffered two broken legs, a broken femur, a ruptured spleen, broken ribs, and head trauma. I woke up in the hospital with a hard white full body cast on, in a hospital bed, in a room where I remained for several weeks. While there, when my family was finally able to come inside my room for visits, I was eager to tell them of my visitations from my dad. They gave each other strange looks and thought I did not remember that he was gone from us. When they reinformed me that my dad was not with us anymore, I told them he was here. I knew my experience, what I had experienced, and hmm, why couldn't it be true? After living restricted in a full body cast for about nine months and tortured by the cracker crumbs that itched me daily, I was thrilled to finally get the cast cut off and the stitches out of my stomach and my head. I learned how to walk again, regained my full strength in my legs, and my hair began to grow back. By the doctor's admission, 
I made a miraculous recovery by the grace of God. I was so excited when they took that hospital bed from the living room and I could finally sleep again in my own bunk bed in my bedroom upstairs with my brother and my aunt. About another year or so later, you would never have known I was ever in an accident. I was back in school with my peers, happy-go-lucky, athletic, playful, and loved attention. When I was about seven years old and, and in the second grade, my papa began to give me a different kind of attention. Mama didn't drive, so daily papa drove her to work and picked her up at 5.15 p.m. sharp from the Employment Development Department building, EDD, on Broadway. At first, <laughs> my brother and I used to fight over who would ride because Papa would only allow one of us to go. Plus, each of us wanted to be the first to choose the snacks Mama would bring home from work every day to give us a treat. I mean, she would have a grocery bag full of goodies. Big, large bags of Doritos, cans of Pringles, different candies, Chips Ahoy cookies. Oh my gosh, you name it. And we would have our own bag. We did not have to share it. On the ride, Pawpaw would make sure I was buckled in, snug, right next to him on the middle front bench seat of his car. While driving, he would often put his hand on my leg and rub up and down. The ride sometimes seemed really long, but the expectation of what Mama had in her goodie bag was worth the discomforting odd touches from Papa. As Mama approached the car, I gladly unbuckled my seatbelt and jumped into the back seat. Hi, Mama. What'd you get us today? Till this day, I love me some Pringles and Doritos. <laughs> I relished the moments I got to get my treats first. Strange car rides led to strange night visits. Why is this cigarette butt next to my bed? Why is the cigarette butt in my bed? I sense you. I smell you sitting on the floor next to my bed. Pretending to stay asleep, afraid to say anything or move. Why are you touching me? Strange night visits led to trips down the stairs for refrigerator treats, to sitting on his lap for show and touch. One night after another strange visit, I finally worked up enough courage to share what was happening to me to my younger aunt, 
who had just come in from a party and was loading something into the washer downstairs. I went downstairs. I approached the washroom sink while she added clothes, and I told her everything. She was shocked and angry at the same time. She said, I'm telling Mama. She ran up the stairs to Mama and Papa's room, knocked on the door. The next thing, she was running back down the stairs, telling me to tell Mama exactly what I told her. She stood next to me, and from the top of the stairs emerged Mama in a nightgown, walking down the stairs slowly. She stopped midway on the stairs. My younger aunt looked down and said to me, tell her. I obeyed. Mama summoned Papa, and he came to the top of the stairs. It was dark. You could only see a silhouette. She made me repeat what I just told her. She turned to him and said, is this true? She demanded. No. Why would I mess with her when I got you? She's lying. I'm not lying. You did. You did. I cried. Mama and Papa retreated back to the room, closed the bedroom door, and argued a bit. And that was it. Do you know what it's like to cry out from your soul for help and not to be heard? For your truth to fall on deaf ears or to be left out there with no protection or defense as a child? At that moment, my voice was not heard. I was vulnerable, exposed, and did what I was told to do, and that was to tell, and nothing happened. In fact, it was as if it had never happened. It was never brought up again until many years later when I broached the subject as an adult in my 20s when I was going through my healing journey. For nearly 20 years of my life, I carried this truth about what happened to me. And along the way, I always managed to speak the truth, but more often than not, I always felt like I wasn't being heard. And that transitioned into not being heard in school, not being heard in my relationships, not being heard in my marriages, etc. Through my healing journey, I found forgiveness for my father for leaving me so soon, forgiveness for my mother who chose not to raise me, forgiveness for my grandmother for failing to protect me, forgiveness for my grandfather who violated me. How does all this connect to the deaf community? You're probably asking yourself. Well, after being exposed to sign language, I had an encounter with a member of the deaf community that changed my life. I had joined a sign language ministry group at my local church 
our sign group, we were called Signs of Shabak, which means fervent praise. And we were asked to perform a concert for Philadelphia Deaf Church in Los Angeles. It was a mini concert and I was a lead signer of the group and I signed probably four or five of the songs um, that we actually signed. And after a compelling sign performance, a young adult male um, approached me. He started signing to me, but I was unable to navigate an appropriate exchange with him. I only knew the lyrics to the song. Oh my God. I didn't know sign language like that. And that right there was my defining moment. It also reminded me of my childhood where I attempted to express myself and was not heard. You may not see how one thing has to do with the other, but from that moment, I vowed to focus my attention on learning the language, learning about the people, and to find ways to serve and work with them. Everyone deserves to be seen. Everyone deserves to be felt. Everyone deserves to be understood. That part of me that experienced childhood trauma longed to be seen in a way that was not for misuse or abuse, felt in a way that was not sexualized and heard in a way that moves one to positive action. My gravitation toward the deaf community was the relatability in the fact that here's a community of people that don't necessarily need our help, but need our understanding, our appreciation, our respect, and a call to action that is equitable. At my very core, I wanted that for myself. And I found a community of people that inherently wants the same thing. The educator, nurturer, and advocate in me found a way to give from a place that I needed fulfillment. On my journey, I have learned the way to fulfillment is to give everything that fills you. What that means to me is if you want happiness, make others happy. If you want love, show love to others. If you want a voice, create opportunities for others to have a voice. I realized I am not the only hearing person who is looking to find their voice, but a whole group of people that are fighting every day to find theirs. When you look at what I have accomplished, all the things I have done, all the things I continue to do, and all the things I aspire to do for and with the deaf community, you see a fingerprint and evidence that shows my interest to bring awareness and to advocate for voices to be heard. To me, sign language is a visual language that takes your heart to see. And the deaf community, a group of people that takes your heart to love. It is innate in all human beings the need to communicate. So many people are talking but are not saying anything of value. 
So many people are hearing, but not listening. So many people are listening, but do not understand or take action. We must all learn to listen and listen to learn. I am so, so grateful. I have found another way to communicate. And in finding another way to communicate, I have found the deaf community. By serving the deaf community, I have found my voice. Not only do I now know how to listen with my ears and with my hands, but I now know how to listen with my heart. I encourage you to do the same and know that you too can turn trauma into purpose. Thank you. You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul with your host, Shanice C.L. Coleman. Thank you to featured storyteller, founder, and CEO of Sign With Me, Inc., She's an ASL American Sign Language influencer, interpreter, educator, and more. None other than Miss Deanne Elaine. Her story titled From Trauma to Purpose, Finding My Voice, is about a hearing-abled girl who lost her voice only to regain it in a world without sound. To connect with featured storyteller Deanne Elaine directly, you can go to her website at www.signwithme.org. That's S-I-G-N-W-I-T-H-M-E dot O-R-G. You can also email her at contact at signwithme.org and or at signwithme.org on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as at Deanne Elaine, spelled D-Y-A-N-N-E-L-A-I-N-E on Facebook and Instagram. Now, if you missed any part of Deanne's encouraging story from trauma to purpose, finding my voice, please go back and listen anytime right here on Radio Theater for your soul as often as you like and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen on our website at Radio Gathering com slash Radio Gathering. Please follow us at Radio Gathering on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel for selected shows and snippets of all kind of stories and all kind of storytelling. Listeners, this is the Summer Series Season 8 here at Radio Theater for Your Soul. Please continue to tune in and share all of our new stories and new storytellers. We all have a story to tell, and we release them every Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Now, if you're new to the podcast, check out our archives. You will find a story that speaks directly to you. And finally, I sign off weekly with a poem or what I call a poetic offering. 
us dance on dreams unspoken, moving on through time towards our tomorrow, listening to the music of our spirit. Can you hear our song? Our song sings through the wind, stretching to the sun, speaking our language, having our say. Do you hear our song? Our song is ancient as the pyramids, new as the morning after today's journey towards tomorrow. Our song is the ripple in the ocean as we walk across its surface, balancing with the breeze. Our song is reaching new heights as we climb beyond the mountaintop. Do you hear our song? Can you see our dance of passion, bending limbs of humbleness? Our dance moves innocently some place between bondage and freedom, between birth and transition, our dance of confidence leaping over fire to the silent reins of stillness, our dance runs quietly through stillness. Can you see our dance? We are having our say without a word spoken, having our say like revolutionaries of the next thousand years, paying homage to Marcus Malcolm and Martin, paying homage to those who speak with their eyes and arms, hips and legs, standing on toes tip, speaking our language. Are you listening? Are you listening? We are having our say. <laughs> that poetic offering is titled, Hear Us, See Us, Know Us written by yours truly. This is Radio Theater for Your Soul, where storytellers gather around the mic. I am Shanice C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love. Thank you to God the Most High. Thank you to my family, friends, ancestors, and you. Thank you so much for listening. It's Radio Theater for Your Soul. It's radio theater for your soul. Where storytellers gather around the mic. Come on, let's go. Live readings, traditional, contemporary, original, scripted plays, film, and poetry. Where storytellers gather around the mic to be with your host, Miss Shanice C.L. Coleman, aka Courageous Love. Always just a cut above. Yeah. Soul. 